Bible. So if you turn with me uh, to the passage, it's Romans chapter 12 uh, from verse 3 through to verse 8. Um, I want to start with a question, a rhetorical question, but a question that is very, very important uh, for us, not just for our time this afternoon, but in general. And that question is, how do you view God? Or what do you think of or think about when you think of God as a being? Take a moment, just think. Think now. We hear the word, who is God, or the phrase God. What comes to mind? What do you think of about him? Thank you. I did say rhetorical, but it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Love a bit of audience participation. But genuinely, almighty is a really good word, Mike. Very, very, um, you know, really good revering word for God. And it's important we have to view God the right way. Because how we view God is the benchmark for our response to him. And you'll know if you're a Christian, of course, you know the word of God. You'll know some of the words that, uh, or adjectives that are used to describe God, like gracious, compassionate, holy, righteous, the creator, our shepherd. He's generous, he's forgiving, he's just, he's faithful, loving, eternal, powerful, sovereign, unchanging. He's near, he's patient, he's kind, he's good and perfect, majestic mighty uh, he's living he's alive he's trustworthy he's merciful and he's he is true and ask yourself is that how you view God when you hear those words said through his words describe what he is like do you view him that way or do we sometimes project our own views or experiences onto our view of him do we sometimes think God's distant or confusing or unloving or even limited we must view God in light of what the Bible tells us, uh, not our feelings towards him when we experience joy, perhaps, or, or struggle. Um, so Georgina likes, my wife Georgina, you know Georgina, so I'm using her as an example twice now because we've spent the last 12 weeks in a, in a bubble at home, haven't we, with the baby, so I've, got no one, I've not seen anybody else to uh, <laughs> give any examples of, so I do apologise. But Georgina loves to hyper, uh, hyperbolise. Um, what's hyperbolising? There you go, exaggerating. And she says things like, literally, which obviously is the first uh, mistake there, but sometimes around, if I'm like, oh, I've got to change Ezra's nappy, she's like, I've literally changed him 400 times today. <laughs> or when she's struggling to feed him, she'll say, I've fed him a thousand times today. Or the worst one is she'll say, you've got, there's a million of your hairs on the floor. <laughs> she that, she? Um, but she loves to hyperbolise, but you cannot hyperbolise with God. Everything that is said to describe him, all those superlatives, all the words used to describe him, which isn't an exhaustive list. He, he is those things. Um, and I want to make a statement here, which is really important, which is going to shape how we, how we continue through our, our time together, which is this. How we think about and view God will significantly shape and influence how we think about ourselves and those around us. And this is the message that Paul is seeking to communicate to the church in Rome. Um, it's how they view God and themselves and others in the church in Rome, which is key to how they're going to worship God in the right way and how they're going to serve one another and bless one another uh, in that church there. Um, and we've seen, you know, Neil uh, last week took us through the first two verses and we saw, didn't we, that, um, you know, uh, the context in which Paul's writing into, he's, he, he spent 11 chapters reminding the Romans in that church exactly what God has done for them. And I'm going to read these through. Um, don't follow them because they're all the way through from uh, the first 11 chapters. 
it's really important that we get a grasp on how um, Paul here is describing who God is and what he has done for the Roman church. And we can, make, we can take claims to this ourselves. If we're Christians, this is what God has done for us. So let's listen to these words here and hopefully it will bring joy uh, to your soul. Um, we see in verse, chapter 1, verse 7, he's loved them. We see in chapter 3, verse 3, that he's been faithful to them. In chapter 3, verse 22, he's given them righteousness through faith. In chapter 3, verse 24, he has justified them through faith. In the same verse, he's redeemed them. In chapter 3, verse 25 of Romans, he's provided a sacrifice, an atonement for their sins through Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 7, he's forgiven their transgressions. In chapter 5, verse 1, he's given them peace with God through Christ. Uh, in chapter 5, verse 2, he's given them his grace and hope in Christ Jesus. In chapter 5, verse 5, he's given them his Holy Spirit. In chapter 5, verse 6, he said that he's died for them. Um, 5, verse 10, he's reconciled them to himself through Jesus Christ. Six, chapter 6, verse 4, he's baptised them into Christ's death and given them new life. In chapter 6, verse 5, he has united them to Christ in his death and resurrection. Chapter 6, verse 6, he has removed the bondage of slavery that sin had over them. In chapter 6, verse 7, he's set them free. In chapter 6, verse 11, he's made them alive to him in Christ. In chapter 6, verse 23, he's given them eternal life. In chapter 7, verse 25, he's delivered them from sin. Chapter 8, verse 1, he's removed all condemnation from them. Chapter 8, verse 5, he's given them new minds. In chapter 8, verse 16, he's declared them to be his children. In chapter 8, verse 17, he's made them heirs or co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 8, verse 27, he says he knows them intimately. Chapter 8, verse 28, he wants and works good for them. In chapter 8, verse 28 to 29, he called them, he foreknew them, and he predestined them. In chapter 9, verse 4, he adopted them and gave sonship to them. And in chapter 11, verse 31, he's been merciful to them. Paul's reminding them just how good God is and exactly what he's done for them. And we need to claim this for ourselves. If we're Christians here, we need to claim these truths about who God is and what he has done. Because as again, as Neil alluded to last week in chapter 12 in the first two verses, we read this as Paul calls them into a response. He says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And we heard last week that this is the right response to God. Um, but that response is determined by how we view him. Um, as we've been reminded there, all, all of what we read there is not what we do or what we bring or how we view God in a certain way. It's all about the truth of who he is and what he has done. And we've read there a few times, don't we, about it, the mercy of God in view of his mercy. Um, reading through, I don't know if you've read through the first seven chapters uh, prior to this series. I recommend you do um, because it's very, very clear. It's quite hard to read at times, but very, very clear um, that we do nothing to earn our salvation. Um, a couple of highlights, or not highlights, lowlights really. Um, but Romans 3 states that no one's righteous, no one understands, no one seeks God. Um, again, it says that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We should know these verses if we have read through it before. Um, one, when I read through again today, chapter 1, like a dagger, Romans 1 describes people as being wicked and godless 
These people that, got, that knew God, knew of God, knew who he was, knew him. Um, and it says God gave them over to their sinful desires. Which is really hard to read and really hard to hear. Um, but it all leads to and points to, we need a right response comes from the right view of God and the right knowledge of God, which is found not in the world, not in ourselves, but in his word, in the Bible. Um, I'm not going to bore you again with any of my uh, interesting courtroom dramas um, or anything like that, don't worry. Um, but you will know that in any courtroom drama that you watch, um, when someone's on the stand and there's a defence lawyer, however it might be, there's a need for compelling evidence. You don't get off um, or a reduced sentence or whatever by saying, oh, well, I think this, or come on, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. It's got to be compelling evidence. And that's what we have in the Bible. We have compelling evidence um, of who God is and what he has done. So for today, what, what, are, what are the Romans to do when they read this um, first two verses? Um, how are they to respond? What would it look like practically for them to action um, this um, particular um, portion of uh, the, the word here? And we find it in the next few verses. Let's read together, then we'll pray and we'll um, put it in more detail. It says this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray together. Father, just thank you that if we know you, you've brought us into a saving relationship. You brought us into a relationship based and built upon your grace. Uh, and the faith you've gifted to us. So if we know you, Father, I pray that the undertone of this time will be gracious um, and that we will just know that you call us by your spirit just to trust you and to know you more. But Father, I pray that you give us a right view of you, that you are a really loving, intentional, personal God who has done everything that we need to be right with him by sending his son. Father, anyone here who doesn't know you this afternoon, Lord, just by your spirit, again, be gracious and reveal yourself more and more um, to each of us that our time will be fruitful um, and that we can just learn more of what it looks like to respond rightly with worshipful lives um, in light of, of, of who you are who you've called us to be as your people as well I pray this in your name Amen Okay um, So as we've said there that statement how we think about or view God will significantly shape or influence how we think about ourselves and other people around us. So the three things we want to look at um, this afternoon is we've got to think of, of yourself rightly so you can bless other people. You've got to think about yourself as a body, not as an individual, but as a body of believers, as the church. And finally, think of yourself as a giver, someone who uses gifts to serve and bless the church. So the first one, um, think of yourself rightly so you can bless other people. Um, now, the art of thinking. Everyone heard that phrase before, the art of thinking? No? Okay. Neither have I, I just made it up. Um, but
But if you've heard the phrase to be or not to be, well, there's one out there, I'm sure, to think or not to think. Now, actually, you can't really answer that because those people with, you know, obviously I know people will struggle with, with mental health or will perhaps have um, other uh, in conditions that, that, that impact thinking. Um, however, people with fully operational minds, we think all the time, don't we? subconsciously or consciously, we're hardwired to think, whether that's before an event, during an event, after an event or a moment in life, um, there's no escape. We're constantly uh, functioning to think about different things and that's how our brains work. And the mind can be a wonderful thing. So right from a young age, you can think about what you want to do in the future. You can make dreams, make plans, uh, etc. But it can also bring stress, overthinking. It can bring pressure. Um, and I've got some quotes here. Now I've put inspirational slash questionable. Um, you make your mind up on this one. Um, and let's do a little quiz quickly. Who knows who said these things? The mind is everything. What you think you become. Who said that? It wasn't me, by the way. Sorry. No, don't know that is. Sorry. No, I'll tell you. Buddha, apparently. Buddha. I'm going off the internet, by the way, so you could be. I don't know. I've not got credible sources, hence why it's questionable. Buddha apparently said that. Another one, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Who said that? Hey? Absolutely not. Yes, Oscar Wilde. There you go. There you go. And last one, just to put us out of our misery. Say something positive and you'll see something positive. Who said that? No, it wasn't. Um, you won't know. Jim Thompson. I don't know who that is. Who, knows? <laughs> who cares? Anyway, um, there's a lot of pressure, though, is applied here to be an individual. So you take Buddha's reckoning there around the mind is everything. You know, if you're a positive thinker, that's great. But if you're self-critical or negatively th- uh, process thinking, then that's obviously really difficult to, to come to terms with. Oscar Wilde, be yourself. Well, if you love yourself and are in a positive place, that's a really good place to run with. If you're not and you're a bit of self-loathing or um, pessimist, etc., there's not really anywhere else for you to go. Um, and Jim Thompson, I was just daft, I don't even know why we went through that one, to be honest. Um, say something positive and you'll see something positive. Anyway, um, but we live, don't we, in a bit of a self, self-help world. Everything, everything around us is designed within the world or the media for us to worship the idol of self and to better ourselves. Um, that could be the physical, so things around uh, getting a bigger house, better car, new phone, new devices, recreational, so we've got to travel, we deserve a holiday, uh, we've got to enjoy our hobbies, that's what's going to make us better. Mentally, motivational thinking or speaking or therapy, that's what we need to make ourselves uh, feel better. Emotionally, we've got to get into new relationships um, or experiences that make us feel better and serve ourselves or even spiritual, new experiences, um, trying to engage with the higher power, enjoy nature, um, that kind of creation over the creator uh, type approach. And this is where we find ourselves uh, and, and we can become better versions of ourselves. And it's what the world tells us, but you know, even as Christians, I think we can be susceptible to thinking uh, in similar ways at times. And the church in Rome certainly was. When you read through the first 11 chapters of Romans, you see that they're engaging in some really sinful activity. Um, and this is why Paul reminds them of who they are in light of what God has done for them. And he's steering them back toward the source of all life. Um, the one who's done 
immeasurably more for them than anything the world can do or they can do uh, for themselves. And we need to know that as well as that, you know, regardless of our circumstances, who we are or what we're kind of experiencing, um, when you go through that list we read earlier on, that we are redeemed, loved, valued, cherished, saved children of the living God. And not only that, as this pastor alluded to now, we've been gifted in many ways. Um, each person in the world is an image bearer, aren't they, of God, um, created in ways to contribute to society. But in the church, we've been gifted in other ways to serve and bless one another as a body, um, not by accident, but by design. So God's made each part person within his church the way that they are, according to his great wisdom, by his great power and for his great glory. Um, and going through uh, the first few verses of our, our passage, Paul is clear in reminding the church here where these gifts come from. So, start, so verse three toward the end says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul's clear here that the gifts that we have are from God. Um, it's a sign gift to us according to our faith, completely of him uh, and not of ourselves. I remember that our, 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 our call to view God rightly. He's the one who gives us gifts to serve one another in the church. And that view of God, isn't it? The perfect wisdom and knowledge that he has to impart those gifts uh, towards us. Paul also reminds us by what means God's given us these gifts. Again, looking in verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So the church, which is, if you're a believer, that is you, have received gifts by the grace of God, not by our own merits or nurturing, but by the grace of God. And again, Paul reaffirms this uh, in chapter three, calling the church not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. I think that's quite tough. Um, We live in a very countercultural world, don't we, where, as we said a moment ago, the narrative the world screams at us is that we deserve everything that we have. Um, and I think that's been the case since, since we were young up until the age we are now. Things like we deserve a holiday because we've worked really hard. Or we deserve that person to be grateful for what we've done because we've really helped them. We help them move house. They should be grateful. We deserve something from them for that. Or I deserve a promotion or a position of leadership in, in my job. I've earned it through service and dedication. I deserve these things. And we do experience these emotions. I've experienced these emotions as well. But we've got to really be on guard that these don't spill into the church. Because Paul's clear here that all gifts are given to us and by God. And they're determined not by us, but by his grace. And again, here, so thinking of yourself rightly to bless other people. What's, What's the application for us of this? Um, and you're going to see a theme coming through here, um, which is firstly to view God rightly. Before we can view ourselves rightly, we've got to have an understanding and a right view of who God is, the creator, sustainer, our saviour, our king, our father. And how do we know that more? Through his word, through reading his word, through being amongst his people by attributing everything that we have to him and his goodness. Then what can we do? We can view ourselves rightly. So again, those words in there from the first 11 chapters of Romans, that we are his children, adopted. We're heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're loved. We know that because he died for us. The Lord Jesus Christ died for us. We know that's how God demonstrates his love to us. We're valued and we're gifted um, in how we respond. 
So as we work through it, become more clear, but we've got to consider what it looks like for us to bless and serve other people in the church. Um, and that starts with what are our gifts? What are, we, what, what are we good at? What do we, what has God given to us in terms of skill that we can actually impart upon one another as the church um, and as his people? So it's the first thing there. Think of, think of yourself rightly to bless one another. Secondly, think of yourself as the body. So we need to understand, don't we, that we are, and we'll, in a moment we're going to read through again, we'll see the passage there, that we aren't saved to be individuals. We aren't saved to be little islands. We're saved to be the body, the church. Um, and Paul reminds uh, the church in Rome that when they gather together, they're not individuals. They're the body of which the Lord Jesus Christ is the head. Um, read this through. Um, it says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So not only are they a body of believers, but Paul is presenting a view here that each person within the church has a different gift for a particular function um, and benefit to the rest of the body. So and look, I know you might have heard these things before. I want to patronise but let's just go through these obvious examples of what that may look like in, in practical life, about why we have one being or one thing with many different functions. So a car, everyone knows the example of a car. You've got wheels. Yep, got wheels. Got wheels for movement, a steering wheel for direction, an engine for power. Any car enthusiasts are going to be really upset in a minute because I've not done a very good job of explaining this. Petrol or diesel for mobilisation, accelerator for speed, and the list goes on. But all parts of those are all make up one car, but clearly they have different functions, yeah? Here's another example, just one more. A football club. You've got an owner to financial support and direction. You've got a manager to lead the on-field success, hopefully, unless you're United. Players to use skills and implement managers' tactics. You've got coaches to train players to improve their skills. You've got a kit man to ensure players have got the right kit and the right boots, etc. You've got physios to support with injuries. Uh, you've got fans to support the team each game. Scouts go to find the best up-and-coming talents to bring to that football club. And again, the list goes on. And the degree of success is determined not just by one of those, but by all of it, isn't it, as a, as a being? Which paints a picture here um, that we as the church have been given gifts to serve one another. And these gifts aren't the same. Just as a car can't have three steering wheels and no wheels. Yeah, that'd be a funny car. And I'm sure a child's drawn that somewhere in the world. Um, and a football club can't have three managers and no players. You have to have members that function in different ways to make the overall um, entity successful in a, in a business term or whatever it might be. And it's similar in the church. And this is um, a beautiful picture of God's design for his people and ultimately for his glory. Um, through the gifting of God and the grace of God, we come together as the people of God, united as one body in the Lord Jesus Christ, which I think is, is a beautiful picture of what the church is. Um, and again, that point there, think of yourself as the body, not as individuals. Um, and again, I make no apologies. That phrase at the beginning, how we think and view God will significantly shape and influence how we think about ourselves and those around us. So again, what does it look like at the outworking of um, of that as again we've got to view God rightly we've got to come back to that again we need to have a right 
view. We're told, aren't we, again, in Romans 12, verse 2, around we've been transformed, we've got the renewings of our, renewal of our mind, our spiritual acts of worship. Um, these are things which are true for us as believers, and we've got to translate that into the right view <clears throat> of who God is. And again, in light of that, viewing other people rightly, we've got to be thankful for each other. Look at the right at the beginning of, of, the, of the letter here to the church in Rome. Paul, who's writing, who's yearning to visit them without even seeing them yet, is thankful for them. He's thankful for them because of their faith and their unity in the gospel. And I think for us as a church, we need to pursue unity. Not that we don't, but just, just for us to think about, to pursue unity, celebrate the gifts within the church as a, as a symbol of God's grace. We see people in our church gifted in so many ways and serving in so many ways. And that's a wonderful thing. It's something to be celebrated um, because it, it, it points to God's uh, grace towards us as a church. Not looking on in jealousy or rivalry, but looking at this as blessings from God that has been um, provided for us as a church and to function as a body in unity, not for ourselves or our own growth, but for the glory of God. And finally, uh, our last uh, point there is think of yourself as a giver. Um, so, so if we have a little recap, what have, we, what have we been called to so far? It's not a test, don't worry. Um, although the first one you should know. To view God in the right way, having the right view of who God is. To view ourselves rightly in light of who God is. To recognise that God in his infinite, infinite grace and wisdom, has given each of us a gift in some way, um, a talent, something that we're good at, something that we can use to contribute to serve the church. And we want to look at what is that? It might be obvious for some, for you sitting here, it might not be for others, but, but what is that gift? And then we've been called to look outwardly at the gifts in the church and thank God for blessing us as a church, as a body. Just as, as Paul was writing here to the church in Rome. Now, finally, we need to consider how we can step in and serve the church with the gifts that God has given us. Um, what we can be sure of is that God has gifted each of us in a unique way, a way that he has ordained for us to serve his people. Just like each part of a car or, a football, or whatever it may be. I think Neil beautifully articulated an orchestra last week, didn't you? With thingies and those thingies over there and thingies over here. But th things, yeah. Um, anything that functions together with a design, with a plan. How do we do that uh, as a church? And as we look at this here, we're just going to look at verses six to eight um, and have a look at what this can look like in our context. We're picking out each part here. So Paul writes this to the church in Rome, verses six to eight. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So here Paul lists prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading and showing mercy. Now, it's not an exhaustive list of these are the only things we need to do. But let's just pick these ones out as what he's done here. So um, firstly, we see here that Paul lists prophecy. So in verse 6, Paul tells us here or, or, or explains to be used in proportion to our faith. So 
obviously would be aware of Old Testament prophets that were appointed by God to give those messages to his people in, in large scales. But, you know, prophecy in, in our terms, New Testament or um, early church or, or modern church now, is to speak the word of God. To prophesy is to speak the word of God. And I think we're all called to prophesy in a way uh, as believers. Um, you've got Matthew 28, the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. You've got Acts chapter 1, that we are to be witnesses uh, to, to what Christ has, has done for us. Um, and in proportion to our faith. So if you're thinking around what it looks like to speak the word of God, and we're being really personal now in the sense of, you know, it looks like what are our giftings? Let, let's have a think about it. Let's have a, an actual time of reflection about what, it, what is that my particular gift? What is your gift as members of this church? Um, is it to preach? Is it to teach? Is it to evangelise? Because if you have a gift in that or a desire to do that and you're not currently doing it, then have a conversation. Speak to Neil um, or myself or your GC leader. If you have a heart for it and you think you have a gift in it, that's, that's a, you know, let's not stifle that. Let's explore it, have a conversation because to speak the word of God is, is, is what we're called to do. And that can be on a one-to-one basis in a coffee shop, can't it? Of course it can with our neighbours, friends, etc. But it could also be uh, within the church uh, context. It could be we've had a table in the park, which has been a super... Um, ministry and a witness of this church uh, over the last couple of years um and that is there to engage people to speak the word of god so if that is you and, and you know we met didn't we uh, neil and i last week and um, you know there's, there's opportunities to evangelize and share the gospel in this community that we don't even know about yet so if you've got any ideas about that as well and you feel gifted in that area then come forward and share that because it's, you know this, this is what we're called to do isn't it as god's people and um, the next one he says is service um Serving one another can be done in a number of ways, uh, and we have people who are very gifted in that in our church. Don't you? <coughs> Neil, Neil alluded earlier on to it as well uh, this week. Uh, Sean and Joy, who aren't even here yet, their house is pretty much, well, will be uh, by next week, uh, set up for them. What a, what a blessing for them to come over from America, uh, or back over from America to Liverpool, and be able to move into their house and everything be done. Not worrying about um, unpacking, putting beds up, etc., uh, and there's people in the church, I think Mark and Julie particularly, Julie, I know Georgie and Heather were there as well, who that gift of really serving people within our church, um, a real testimony to what God is doing uh, amongst us there. Um, but we can all serve each other in ways, can't we? We can pray for one another. Uh, we can check in with each other. Um, we can message each other just to make sure that everything's okay. And that's a way of serving one another as well, or as, as Neil again has alluded a few times, we've got a hospitality team, uh, which Julie's overseeing at the moment. So if, for example, you want to serve more intentionally on a Sunday with hospitality, you want to <clears throat> help out with events, table, um, not table in the park, church in the park, or things like that, these are really good opportunities for us to exercise giftings that we may have to really serve and step in and bless not just the church, but the local uh, community as well. Um, so again, you know, it's, it's a bit of a direct approach in one, one respect, but these are things we should be thinking about. Um, if we are people who perhaps could get involved in those areas of serving one another, um, we've got great opportunities to do so. Um, the next one Paul talks about is teaching. Um, <clears throat> similar, I suppose, to um, the prophecy, but slightly different. So teaching can be exercised again in a number of ways. So it could be 
preaching, couldn't it, from the front. Um, and again, there's ways and means of doing this. Um, but if you feel, if you've never done that and you feel that it's a, a gift of yours or something you want to grow in and develop, again, I know Nia would love, and myself, a conversation around what that could look like. Um, for you to grow in that gifting, to test that gifting, to open the word with, we have a, a, a cohort, don't we, a meeting this week that the Bible's open together and someone speaks from God's word. And it's a really good moment of refining gifting and skill uh, to be able to then preach and share God's word uh, in, in this way. So again, if that is you, you know, it's great to have those ambitions and those desires. So um, really positive steps uh, to do that, to lead Bible study, people who will be involved in a, in a gospel community. Um, if you feel that's your gift and to step in and teach that, again, conversations can be had around what that looks like to, to grow in that gifting, to test that gifting, um, to be discipled in, in, in how, what it might look like logistically to do that. Um, but want to encourage that if you feel that's a gifting uh, of yourself. Um, discipleship this is a key for growth in the church. So if it to grow in maturity, we need to be discipling each other. Um, again, Matthew 28 says to go out and make disciples, but we, well, I can't say it, what Neil said the other day around, where, what is it, a disciple, a church that disciples, disciples or something like that? No, it was something else, I don't know, for Jonah, but we want to be a church that actually makes disciples, but then disciples those disciples. There we go, that's a new one. Um, but that's it, and that's a key area for maturity and growth uh, in the church. And we'll, we'll have people in this room that are gifted, get alongside people on a one-to-one basis, opening God's word up with them, reading it with them, explaining it to them, and praying with them. And they're really key skills that we want to tease out as a, con- as a membership, as a congregation, to really see what it looks like for us to develop that um, as you move forward uh, as a church. And, you know, it wouldn't be right not to plug our kids' church, our kids' church that functions wonderfully, um, which has grown its leadership and, and leaders, but... You always need more people that are gifted at teaching God's word to, to kids. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a unique gift to do that, to do it faithfully. But if that isn't you, that you're not doing that, but you think, yeah, I could do that. Um, I love Jesus. I, want, I, I can teach the Bible. I've got a heart for kids' ministry, and you're not involved in that yet. Then again, a conversation with Neil and myself or Johnny and Lottie, whoever leads an area of the, uh, uh, that ministry area, is welcomed and encouraged because it shows then that we can grow in, in the service uh, uh, of those things to one another. Hopefully, people are thinking, yeah, I can do that. I'm inundated with uh, new leaders coming in the future. As we move through this, finally, we've got exhorting. So the idea for Paul saying around to exhort is to help each other, comfort each other, encourage each other, or counsel each other. Um, words they use here that Jesus used as well, similar words or familiar words to them around how Jesus would have referenced the Holy Spirit as a helper as well. Um, it's a great way to serve the church, isn't it? You know, we've got families in this church who could, uh, we can take their kids out for the day or something like that. We can go for a walk with people, go to a lot of claim for a coffee or is it a, a chai tea or something a bit more latte, sorry. Something a bit lighter than a coffee. But certainly, you know, to get alongside brothers and sisters in our church who need lifting and pointing to Jesus to comfort each other when pain or struggle uh, is, is in, in life, to walk with them and to remind them of their identity in Jesus and their relationship with, with a loving Heavenly Father is, is a real gift, a gift that we can explore and grow in um, as, as a church. Um, and finally, you know, if, if you feel that's a real gifting of yours, 
you know, exploring, it says counselling here, well actually, um, biblical counselling is, is a concept which is quite, you know, quite known within churches, and actually if we've got a heart and a, a gift to really serve in this area of ministry, to, to really love and care for and lead people who need that support, then that's something to consider as well, um, to be able to exhort each other and support each other, um, when people need their eyes and heads and hearts lifting out of the, the thick of, of life and up here a little bit to lead people to the truth of who God is, you know, that's something which we can all do in various ways. Um, and some will be more gifted perhaps than others. That might be the gift that God has laid upon you and it's something that you can really um, explore more um, with us as a church. Um, two more. So Paul, no, three more. Paul lists giving. Um, and I think, you know, this is one, isn't it, where people are thinking, oh, but genuinely, you know, you can give in a number of ways, can't you? It's not just about money, but it is about money as well. Um, in the sense that, you know, Neil and I last week uh, met, I went through like the budget, didn't we? And, you know, so encouraged by the way God's gifting people to be almost, you know, supernaturally generous in a sense, to be able to be open-handed and give of their own uh, finances to support the, the ministry and the work of Liberty Church. It's such a, a generosity ministry, which, which is there. And it's, um, we were blown away by looking at this time last year, what the, the, the dream would be to where we are now. And God is, is meeting, meeting those dreams, you know, those, those ambitions that we have for ministry in here. So um, a real, real gift. Um, but it's, all, you know, it's a requirement, isn't it, to give back to, to God through the work of the church. But people are gifted in those ways, not just with money, with time. How many people um, give of their time in this church to serve, not just on a Sunday, but in any area of ministry or to meet the needs of people, people that consistently step into those time and time again. It's such a gift. Um, we should all be doing that. Don't get me wrong in certain ways, but some people do that um, in real um Again, supernaturally gifted ways. And that could be you or something which we could step into uh, more as we seek to grow uh, as a church. Um, Paul then lists leading. Um, and, you know, I think I'm right in saying, Neil and I have spoke multiple times that we want to grow leaders in our church. We want to develop leaders in our church. We want uh, men for eldership, women for other areas of ministry to um, step into to roles. We have been blessed genuinely with men and women that lead and are gifted to lead in, in so many ways within the church, whether it's hospitality, worship, um, kids, etc. But we want that we want more of that, don't we? We want more people to because of their love for God and their view of God, their love for his church and love for one another, to step into areas of leadership. And this is what um, Paul speaks here to the church here. If if you're gonna lead, then lead and we want that as well. So again if that is you that's something which you want to welcome uh, as well. And finally, um, quite poetically, I think, really, as Paul comes uh, full circle anyway from the beginning of chapter uh, 12, he calls uh, the church to respond in view of God's mercy. And one way to do that is to reflect his mercy to the church. Um, very interesting, isn't it, which is with cheerfulness. Um, I think that's a, a, something not, not, not to gloss over to do something with deep-rooted joy, not like I'm doing this, but I'm frustrated because they're not giving back what I need them to. It's to, it's to show mercy with, with cheer, because we're not doing it for ourselves primarily or even that person primarily, but for the glory 
of God. So to do that with is such a challenge, not one that I would say I've mastered, um, but to, to, to show mercy consistently, to demonstrate the mercy of God to one another. And not long ago, we went for a service, didn't we? Um, Looking at the fruit of the spirit. Um, and what a gift it is to be able to, to be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and catch be testing you on these and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled towards each other um, in a way where, where to demonstrate God's mercy uh, to his church. We receive mercy and we need the mercy of God and God calls us to reflect that uh, back to one another. So again, as we close, Paul goes through uh, these things here it's not an exhaustive there's so many other things we could look at so again hopefully next week we'll see more read through this again um this week and really see ways that you are serving or blessing the church but how you can step in even more in different ways um it'd be unbelievable to see the spirit of god working in people to uh to really grow in areas of of gifting of serving and blessing one another as a church, again, not for our glory, isn't it? But so that we can then go out and reach this, this community with the gospel. Um, that's what we want. So let's keep on going with that. We've got to view God correctly in light of what he's done for us. View ourselves correctly in light of what we have received in Jesus Christ and the calling we've received as well as believers. Keep serving one another with the gifts he's given to us. Keep stepping into new areas of service based on the gifts that God's given us. And keep celebrating God's gifts to each other and recognising his grace to us as a church. We look around and we see the way that he's growing people and, and meeting needs in ways. And we just want to ask for more of that, don't we? We want to grow in light of that. The more that we know and see God for who he is, for what he has done. And we want to respond uh, in the right way um, and step in and love and serve and care for his church. Let's pray.